0: Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. What's up, everybody? Joe McCall here from the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. This is episode, I believe, number nine on our Deals Gone Bad series. And this is a series, if you haven't listened to the other ones, go check it out. Subscribe to the podcast, go to the, my YouTube channel. And uh, this has been a really interesting, fascinating series of podcasts. And I, I want to do as many as I can of these. And today we have a special guest. Her name is Jasmine Gittens. I'm sorry, Jasmine, I got your last name wrong. I forgot to ask you. But Jasmine, I'll bring her on in a minute. Um, she's got a very, I want to say unique situation, but it's happened to a lot of us. And she was able to survive. And this is what I love about this series of deals gone bad is we're talking to people who had bad deals that happened to them and what they did to survive, get through it and it didn't collapse them. It wasn't the end of their business. They're still successful today. They're still doing deals today. And so these are real good lessons learned for the rest of us out there. Maybe you're new to the business. Maybe you've done a lot of deals and you already have a bunch of bad stories and you listen to these and you're thinking, "Man, that's nothing. This is what happened to me," right? Well, this is somebody said that Smart people learn from their mistakes. Wise people learn from the mistakes of others. So I'm not trying to glorify bad deals or sensationalize this stuff, but I think it's important for us to learn lessons learned. From these people, like what would you have done differently? L- you know, if you were to do this again, what what are, what would you say to people? So I'm hoping you're getting getting a lot of value out of this. And what I, what we've been doing is we've been capturing all of our notes and lessons learned from all of these episodes and putting them into. Right now they're in a mind map. We're probably going to turn them into like a PDF or a book. And if you want the notes, text the word bad to 313131. Completely free, no catch. They're free. So text the word bad 313131. We'll send you a link back. You can click on the link and then you will get um, put in your name an email and we'll send you the the actual mind map. It may not be a mind map if you're listening to this later on down the road it might be a PDF or a booklet or something like that. But all of our notes are in there. The lessons learned I'm keeping notes here my assistant, Dana, is also taking notes. We'll have transcripts. We'll have links to the videos, the links to the other podcasts that we're doing. You can also go to joemccall.com bad, joemccall.com bad. You see it on the screen here, and we will send it to you. All right, one more announcement, and we'll bring Jasmine on. Right now, as I'm doing this, we're live on Facebook and YouTube, and some of you are watching us there. And if you have any questions, or you just want to say hello and give a shout out to us, please type something in the comments, in the Facebook or YouTube, and it will pop up. Like, this Cheryl, how you doing, Cheryl? You're welcome. She says thank you here. And then John, John Gooding, my man. He put in the comments bad thirty one thirty one, but it's bad. Text the word bad to thirty one thirty one, thirty one. Thank you, John. Appreciate that anyway. <laughs> All right, so I can see your comments on Facebook and YouTube as we go through this if you have any questions, please type them in. We'll bring them on. So I want to bring Jasmine on. Jasmine, how are you?
1: I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing, Joe?
0: I'm doing real well, drinking my coffee. It's almost five o'clock here where I am. I had a crazy day. What? Where do Where do you live? I'm in Baltimore City, Baltimore. So it's six o'clock p.m. your time. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Do you drink coffee? Are you a coffee drinker? No, I'm not.
1: No, but That's but good. I get I get it. Trust me. I have a I have two little ones. I have a ten month old and a three month old. So uh, you know, I'm, I might need to start. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so it's it's just been a crazy day but i appreciate your patience i had to push you back a little bit to get you on here but um thanks for being here jasmine so you're in baltimore yes it's a beautiful city it's a great part of the country i love that area out there mm-hmm. have you been there all your life is that where you're from no no no
1: i'm from new york originally i've only been in baltimore city specifically for about a year and a half um i, I did i grew up in maryland though so okay. in like montgomery county more suburban area but okay. so we live in a beautiful area in baltimore city i mean there. are a lot of transition happening here. So beautiful people
0: play area here. I've heard, correct me if I'm wrong, Baltimore is a very difficult city for investors. Yeah, um, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It definitely can be.
0: Definitely can be, for sure. <laughs> it's, um, I've heard it's very, like in the landlord-tenant relationship, it's very pro-tenant. Yeah. It's hard for landlords. They've made it really difficult for rehabbers to rehab properties in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Am I right? Or is that just... No, know? no,
1: no. Yeah, in, in some cases, they do make it pretty hard. But, you know, there's always a you know, you kind of have to roll with the punches. But I mean, there's there's a lot of investors here. There's a lot of uh, New York, New Jersey investors here because the price here is, Uh, To them is you know beautiful. So
0: this is I wanted to bring this up because when you hear people tell you, "Oh, it's too hard to do deals there," yeah, it's like this is not a good investor friendly city. Like that should maybe pique your interest a little bit. Like, oh, wait a minute, there might be some opportunity here, Mm -hmm. right? Like Illinois people, everybody thinks it's illegal to do wholesaling in Illinois right now. I know, and it's really not. Yeah, there's just different ways to do it. So what's happened to all the competition? It's virtually disappeared, right? But the smart investors are still in. Illinois, they're still wholesaling deals. They're doing it differently. Maybe they're getting a license, maybe they're buying it and then selling it. I don't know. But so Jasmine is in Baltimore, one of the most difficult markets in the U S to do deals in just from rumors that I've heard. And I don't have any firsthand experience. I hope I'm not generalizing or stereotyping. (laughs) um, Jasmine, what kind of business do you have now? What is it? What does it look like?
1: Yeah. So, uh, so we virtually wholesale. We invest, so we, we flip, we have rentals, but a large portion of our business is focused on wholesaling, um, so that's one of our exit strategies. But we, we focus on virtual because, uh, like you said, right, so sometimes people may find that particular markets are um, not as investor-friendly or, you know, buyers are not as aggressive in those particular areas. So what we've, what we've done is we, we find the hottest markets uh, and we, we kind of dive into those markets.
0: So when you say virtual, you're doing these deals over the phone. You're not going to the houses and looking at them. Yeah, correct. So we wholesale
1: in Maryland, North Carolina, and New Jersey. Oh, cool. And we're in in Maryland. So yeah.
0: All right. All right. On average, over the last six months or so, how many deals do you average a month?
1: Um, So we're doing about three to five deals per month.
0: Sweet, good for you. Thank you. And then, um, what's your favorite marketing channel right now? Cold calling, really. Cold
1: calling, cold calling, cold calling. That's our, that's our baby.
0: (laughs) Nice. Who's doing the cold calling? You or do you have?
1: Not anymore. It used to be me. But we have a team now. So I have a team of two virtual wholesalers in the Philippines. They are our initial point of contact with reaching out to sellers. And then once it's a lead, it, that goes to our sales acquisitions, who uh, gets the deals locked up virtually. Nice. Good for
0: you. By the way, guess what? We have somebody on Periscope. Latina Starling. Hey, Joe, watching from Houston. How you doing, Latina?
1: Hi, Latina. That's so cool.
0: <laughs> People are still on Periscope.
1: I love it. I love
0: it. Angelica says Hi. Hello. Okay, cool. All right. So Jasmine, you had a deal. Pretty crazy story. You went to, and and maybe this is why you do deals virtual now. I don't know. (laughs) You went to go look at a house. What happened?
1: So I was doing my cold
0: calls, right? I went to go
1: look at a house. i want to say this was my second deal. I got a package deal, so two properties, right? So one seller, two properties. He was really, you know, well, he wasn't too eager. I had to follow up a couple of times to get this deal. Either way, got the deal. We went to go look at one of the properties.
0: With the seller, you went Went to look at the seller.
1: Yep, went inside, looked at the property. It was, you know, needed a complete renovation. Needed to be completely renovated right and so leaving that house going on to the second house it was on the same block and we were going to the second house it, it had started pouring rain like I mean just out of nowhere like just pouring pouring so like we ran to the other house it had like a little cover so we're like standing under there he's trying to get inside for some reason his key is like just not getting in the property
0: so was this in the the city of Baltimore no this
1: was in Newark this was when I was in Jersey. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. This specific property was in Orange, so a couple of cities down from Newark. So we could not get in the property, right? So it's raining. I'm just like, look, is the condition of this property, you know, pretty much in the same condition as the other one, right? He's like, yes. I'm like, all right, so based on that in my mind, they're the same thing. You know, this is the same owner, right? can't be too much different so we got the properties locked up at the price that I'm thinking based on the renovations that the first property needed.
0: Can you talk about numbers? What did you think the properties were worth and what did you mm-hmm.
1: So we got the we got the one property locked up at I want to say we got that one locked up at 60,000 and then we got the second one locked up and I want to say we did that one at 75,000. That was the one that we didn't see. And the reason we did that one that one was a little bit bigger, so you know, just based on the square footage and things like that. That one had a driveway. It had a, a little bit different stuff, so we uh, got it under for seventy five.
0: Okay, good. I'm writing notes here. Yeah, see me not looking at you. I'm sorry, because no, no, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> all right, all right. So then, what happened?
1: So we get it on the contract, you know, signs it, we're good to go, right? So a couple of days, I started marketing the properties without any pictures. At this point, I had pictures of the first property. I did not have any pictures of the second property, but I still marketed, hey, got these two deals here, pictures of one property, other pictures coming soon, right? A very, very hot market extremely hot so buyers are like forget the pictures like you know we want to come see the property which by
0: the way this is a good lesson learned right here like you this is a problem that a lot of people have for some reason like they get a property under contract and they don't start marketing it right away yeah they wait until everything is right till they got their website and they've they've got all the pictures and they got the comps and the detailed reports and the you know like i mean you just start marketing it right away
1: right away away. posted it right up uh, facebook marketplace meetup and you got out
0: there. All right. So, um, are you when you wholesale? Do you double close or just assign? Or how we just
1: you, assign. We only you,
0: assign. You assign. Okay. So, all right. Now, what happens?
1: So we. Got to the first property. So we had a showing. We had a showing at 12 o'clock on Saturday. Got to the first property, showed, you know, showed the property, got an offer right on the spot, locked that thing up, right? So I'm like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. Like, woo, right? So we were there for about 30 minutes, 12 to 12:30, and we scheduled the second one for 12:30 right down the street. So we just walked. So so we go to the next property. We finally got the key. Uh, the, the me and the seller we we connected prior to the showing, like literally right before the showing. Got the key. We walk in. I mean, literally, when I opened the door. Like a like a smell of just oh my goodness. I can't even I can't even explain it to you, right? I had buyers not even walk in the property. They literally turned right around and just said, "We're good, thank you. We love the other house. On this one, we're good," right? I'm like, oh my gosh! Right, so we had a couple buyers go in. The entire basement was flooded with water. So the ceiling had been caved in from, you know, I guess years of whatever. The seller literally hadn't been in any one of the properties in maybe, you know, 15 years or so. So roofs completely caved in. Uh, water. The, the floors were very questionable. Very questionable. We should even be walking on the upstairs floor. Entire basement flooded. This property need was it was in condition of being condemned, completely condemned. Like there was nothing that you can do but knock it down and rebuild. It was wow. that bad. But you could not tell that from the outside. You had to yeah. just peek in and you could, you know, you can see that. So we didn't get any offers. Excuse me, we did get one offer, but it was way, you know, way off the price. So now we're stuck with the property. We got one with the same seller and now we're stuck with not being able to close on the second property. So we we just kept pushing, kept marketing that deal. We eventually did you,
0: did you try to negotiate a lower price with the seller?
1: I did. So I tried to go back and negotiate renegotiate with the seller. He was already a little bit difficult to begin with to get to that price, so he was not willing to renegotiate the terms. You know, he's like, this is a package deal, blah, blah, blah right? And I'm like, okay. So I keep marketing the property.
0: Do you normally have a, what's your normal inspection contingency on your contracts? For
1: the buyers or for us? For you. We have a 14 day. Usually 14. we have a 14
0: day. Did you see this before the, your inspection contingency expired? Yes.
1: So okay. I did see, I saw it a couple of, like maybe five or so days after, or maybe not, okay. maybe not, maybe not, maybe not even that long. So I, I knew I had that time frame where I, I could pull out, but I really didn't want to because again, it's like it's kind of like I don't want to purchase one property and then, you know what I mean, not be able to purchase the other. So I ended up getting a buyer. Thank goodness, right? He puts his five thousand dollar non refundable.
0: What was this new buyer willing to pay for it?
1: He paid. He came in at our price. I think we were at um we were at seventy five. He came in at eighty. No, he came in at ninety. So oh, wow, he, he still make 15, it. Yeah. So he was supposed to make he was supposed to make fifteen on on that specific property. We had made twenty on the other property. Wow. So when I say that we were, you know, we were open. I was I was open to just if I even made three thousand, I would have been happy. If I, you know what I mean. I, we were open to to whatever price, but the buyers were coming in like way under what we even had a contract for. So that was kind of a red flag, I guess, the fact that he came in at, at our price, considering that no other buyer was uh
0: mm.
1: even, you know, in that range, but I was brand new. I'm like, so yeah. You think pretty- he,
0: sorry to keep on interrupting. No. Do you please. feel like he was a, a beginning invest? he or she was a beginner investor?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Hindsight, he was absolutely new, didn't know, you know, he put his EMD down, non refundable, right? Everything. And at the last minute, his lender, uh, the lender did not approve it. Once they did their inspection and stuff, their appraisals and stuff, the lender didn't approve. So we ended up closing on the first property and not closing on the second property. So I I felt terrible not being able to provide a solution and actually, or I have provided a solution, right? Like we sold one, but we were not able to sell the other. So, you know, still leaving that homeowner with that property.
0: Okay. So a couple things reminded me of a bad deal I had where Wait. I was, it was, I was selling a house on a lease option. So I'd cleaned it up. I don't know. I put seven grand into it to yeah. like new flooring, cleaned it up, made it look nice, even staged it. Wow. A minor staging. Well, anyway, Found a lady, I still remember to this day her face. I found a lady who put down, I think, $5,000. Like, and I was so hungry for cash, I had already spent that $5,000. It was an option, lease option, deposit. Right. Didn't even moved in yet. So I meet her, because she wanted to view it one more time before she signed all the paperwork. Yeah. I opened the door, let her in. And all of a sudden the smell uh, and there's a dead cat right there on the foyer wow. inside the house. And it had been dead for like four or five days. Oh, no. can you believe this? And so she's in tears and she turns around and leaves. She loved the house. Now all of a sudden just hated it because opens the door, sees a dead decaying cat. Oh, this is horrible. It this is. Horrible. I'm sorry I brought this up, Um, but that smell but it's is real. Crazy. It was so bad, and then I had to give her her money back. It's like, oh my god! So I learned a real valuable lesson on that one: where never deposit your money or count your eggs before they hatch, right? Like, so I had to, I had to write her a check for five grand, and but I offered to clean it, and she said no; she was done, did not want that house. Well, it cost me about seven hundred, eight hundred dollars to clean because I, I had to find somebody that was willing to go there and scoop up the dead cat huh. and then clean all the carpets, and it took about two weeks just to find somebody, then to get them in there, to get rid of the cat. Horrible story. The the cat got in the dryer vent. And once it got in the house, it couldn't get out. The poor thing died like slow death. Horrible story. I know. But that's the reality.
1: It happens. It happens. So that's what we're here to share, right?
0: (laughs) Reminds me of another story. Jasmine, you're reminding me of all these stories. I had an investor friend of mine who bought a property unseen, sight unseen from Idaho. Here in St. Louis, and he wanted to sell them, and went to go look at the house, and they were in way worse shape than he thought they were in, and he had already bought them. So let's talk about lessons learned. Yeah. What would you have done differently in this scenario? Oh, first, before I forget, what happened with the seller?
1: I mean, so he still had. I mean, my assumption is he still has that property.
0: So he wouldn't negotiate on the price anymore?
1: No, he wouldn't he wouldn't negotiate on the price. You know, he believed he would he would find another uh investor. I hope he did. I, I haven't I haven't looked back to see if he got it sold, but uh but we did but we, we did close on the other property.
0: Was he mad at you? Did he was he, he- wasn't he was,
1: he was not really I mean he wasn't like you know aggressively mad, but you know he. I can tell he was bothered. Of course, he was trying to you know unload these properties and really wanted to sell them as a package. But you know he was happy to at least get one sold,
0: and and we, we moved on. All right, all right, good. So let's talk lessons learned. What would you yeah. have done differently, Jasmine? So, one hundred percent, do your due diligence, like right, not not
1: skipping uh, any steps. So, with that being said, I would have tried to maybe reschedule, or maybe had some type of contingency in there with us being able to come back and see the property prior to us deciding on a price, right? So one thing is, you know, not to say that the seller was trying to intentionally steer us wrong or lie, but you cannot trust the seller, right? (laughs) You have to do your own due diligence, 100 100%. So that was one major, major lesson for me there. Another lesson was continue marketing. Like, you know, you can keep marketing the property because we had, you know, once I got this property under contract. I'm thinking like, there's no reason for us to keep, you know, marketing. So now I, even when we get a property under contract, remember this buyer, he had it under con- you know, we had it under contract with him and he fell through. Had we continued marketing the property, um, potentially we could have had uh, another buyer on standby ready to take that
0: property. Did you give him this second buyer? Did you give him his earnest money back? No, we didn't. But you kept it.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, how much was it? It was $5,000. Holy smokes. Mm-hmm.
0: Lesson, um, I'm going to write this I mean, down.
1: It, it, it's in the, uh, it is in the agreement.
0: It is. Um, 100% you know,
1: so it wasn't to be like malicious or anything. It was just, you know, just following uh, the guidelines that we had, uh, we had established up front.
0: Oh, and it was in writing. He yes. signed it. Poor guy. <laughs> he
1: signed it. It was that uh, the title company had everything, so they're the ones. They're the ones that handle everything, um, the communication, uh, what was happening with the money. So the title company, uh, they have like you know, of course, lawyers and things at the title company. So they're the ones that handled the entire thing and made the final decision as to what was going to happen with the money.
0: Did you give an earnest money deposit to the seller? I
1: did. I did.
0: How much was that? If you don't mind me asking.
1: A hundred dollars. Hundred. Hmm. Right. <laughs>
0: Lesson learned, <laughs> never put more than a hundred dollars. Yes. Downstairs. And that was
1: actually an increase. So I actually, I initially gave, uh, I offered him $10. Um, we usually offer $10 for our earnest money deposits to the sellers, but he felt that that was, you know, he wanted more. So I said, okay, we can do a hundred and we did that. So we, you know, we just share with them, Hey, you know, we, we, we're, we have our money, we're, we're flipping, we're doing things. We have our money in places. We don't want uh, to be tied up and you know, they're usually okay with that.
0: You know, this, another thing that's really important is make sure I'm writing this down. You have iron clad agreements
1: agreements yeah for sure.
0: Because for sure you kept the earnest money but you got to remember too you had a lot of time mm-hmm. and money tied up in the deal you know your title yeah. company put a lot of time into it you put a lot of time into it and you also took it off the market
1: mm-hmm. you know
0: you could have found another buyer that you might have lost because this other guy tied it up how long did he have it tied up before he
1: had it tied up for quite a bit because we actually did an extension so he had, oh, it, yeah. he had it certainly for Probably about 30 days um, because, you know, we had it for the 14 days. We did an extension and then we even went a little bit past that extension. And I gave him a lot of opportunities. I was trying to be flexible with him, I gave him a lot of opportunities. If it doesn't work, and he's like, no, I'm going to do it. We're good to go. we So I'm like, okay. So okay. is
0: important too because it, it, well, sometimes what I've done before is, when I'm trying to negotiate an extension with the seller, because I know I have a good buyer, um, sometimes I will give him, the seller, part of that earnest money deposit I'm getting from mm. my buyer, right? Mm-hmm. Just to sweeten it up a little bit to give him more time or, you know, Yeah. but it's important you get and that earnest those, money deposit.
1: all those free and clear. So he was very happy to walk away with that 65000 from the one deal. Yes, yeah, So he was very, very, I mean, of course, they have closing costs, but he was very happy to, for that.
0: Any other lessons learned?
1: So do your due diligence. Don't trust the uh, the seller. Uh, continue marketing the property. Again, yeah, I think, like you said, have have an ironclad uh, uh agreement. Those are pretty much the lessons yeah. learned. What that- uh, what
0: what is due diligence for you? What does that mean to you?
1: So now it's a little bit different because we we virtually wholesale now, right? So we're not actually going into homes and um, looking at them like we used to. So now what due diligence looks like for us is we are looking around the area. We use the MLS. We have uh, MLS access in each of the markets that we're in, and we um, we look to see what investors are purchasing properties for cash in that neighborhood. So we you know we're not even necessarily worried about the house at this point in our mind. From that experience, it's like you think every house needs to be you know full gut situation right so that's what we definitely do we find what the buyers are paying cash for and we get the property that you know 10 to fifteen thousand below
0: that that is so simple and people forget that like it's just as important to look at active comps as sold comps right yes. Because if you're gonna to try to sell your house for 45 and there's a similar house for sale for 35 yeah it's gonna to be too hard so sometimes yes. if it's hard to get comps you can just look at actives Yeah. Well, all right. Like I was just looking at one today, the, the the seller had it listed on the MLS for $27,000 for 56 days, so almost two months. Wow. So if you're thinking at that, thinking, all right, well, if they can't sell it for 27, what am I going to be able to sell it for? I might be able to, so I was walking this guy through and I said, if I were you, I would try to sell it for 10. So you should offer three. That's what he did. He's going to offer three grand chances of getting that accepted, slim to none. But who, what, yeah. It's not, what matters is what the buyers want. What matters exactly. is what they're exactly. wanting for, right? Exactly. And, and
1: that was a huge learning lesson for us when we, when we initially went virtual, because um, we started wholesaling in Maryland when we were still living in New Jersey. So, you know, we're getting all these deals. We're like, how are we getting so many deals? Like we just didn't understand, but we were not able to, to sell them, you know, because, you know, a lot of people use, and it's, 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 it's okay, but a lot of people use like the, the 70% of the ARV and that doesn't work in every single market. Baltimore City is one of those. You need to be closer to fifty percent, and for the buyers to, uh, yeah. to be interested here. So that's when we decided. Let's just use the facts. What are cash buyers buying properties for in the last ninety days in this neighborhood? And we just go, you know, below that number.
0: One of my favorite ways to find a, an offer for a property is. Um, I go to Redfin, I look up the address and then I look up in the nearby area yeah. all of the homes that sold in the last six months and I sort it by low to high.
1: Yeah.
0: I take the average of the lowest four or five, yeah. multiply that by 80%. Take the average of the lowest four to five that have sold and multiply that by 80%. Yeah. And then you're gonna get a number and then look at the actives. All right, so if I bump that number up 10 grand, am I still gonna be less than every other property in that area? Nice. And if you can do that, you, chances are pretty good that you're going to sell it. Right.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We want to make sure we, you know, that experience was, was, you know, was, was huge for us. We went from there and Now that, that was our second deal three and a half years ago. And, you know, we wanted right. to make sure from there, you know, we were getting deals when we were going in contract that we were actually going to be able to, you know, we, to sell it. We never wanted to be in that situation again. Um, yeah. we, were not, we haven't been 100%, but you know, we're, a lot closer. And, you know, that does not happen uh, uh, to us very often.
0: Awesome. Bill is asking here, how are you marketing for your virtual deals? And that's. so we, are,
1: Yeah, we're cold calling. So we're pulling lists just like we would pull them locally. And we're just, we're calling on the deals. So we, we you know, we're pulling the, you know, the standard, um, you know, probates, tax delinquents, we're pulling all those, those hot lists and just calling and making offers. And Everybody gets an offer. So, you oh, know,
0: that's a good know. lesson. Let's write that one down.
1: Yes. Yes, that is a good, that's one of my keys to my um to my sales acquisition managers. Everybody gets an offer, um, no matter their price. And you know, so and we've actually partnered with agents in each of the markets that we're in. So if we're not able to get it as a wholesale deal, we will refer them to our agent to list the property for us. And that actually helps us because uh, one, we're able to provide solutions for okay. you know more people that we speak to. And two, the agent is incentivized to help us. So, you know, virtually they go take pictures for us. They show yeah. properties for us, you know, in 900 miles away from where we live.
0: <laughs> well, the cool thing too, is you can use these realtors to find your buyers sometimes, right?
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. We, yeah. The realtors, That's like one of the number one ways we we find
0: our buyers. So I love it. When you make an offer to every seller, do you do it in writing? Do you send it to them, email it, mail it? No, we
1: do. We usually make just a verbal offer to every seller. Um, We usually don't send the contract until we get a verbal agreement from them. And if they want the contract, let's say maybe to review the terms or something, we'll usually send a blank uh, contract. For them to review with their attorney or whoever they need. And then when they're ready to sign, um, we ask them to get in front of a computer so we can we can go through it with
0: them. Well, there's a huge lesson learned right there. Because yes. I gonna guess, Jasmine, you guys have had the problem before. You <laughs> send a contract and the seller goes ghost. Goes, goes, ghost. And you have no idea what happened. I thought they were interested. I thought they wanted yes. to the sell their house. Exactly. And so what do you do now? Instead, yeah. so now
1: we ask them, Is this now is now in the time? Are you in front of your computer so I can walk through this with you? Uh-huh. So now our conversions are much higher because we're actually sending it right to them. They're sitting there, we're, we're going through the contract with them and getting them to, uh, to sign it right then and there on DocuSign. So and that if- has helped us a, a ton, a ton, a ton.
0: And so the other cool thing about this is, um, you're sending If they want to review the contract or whatever, you're sending them a blank contract. Because yeah. one, one of the things that sellers do sometimes is they'll shop your number around. Exactly. And so you don't want to send a real contract with your real number on there because yes. they're probably not serious.
1: Exactly. Yep. So we'll say, you know, sure, we'll send it to you. Go ahead review the terms. If, you know, if there's anything we need to change, we can change it. Uh, but there's no reason for us to put the price in there. Like you said, they're just going to shop it around.
0: Oh, that's great. Yeah. A lot of good
1: Or talk to, you know. Uh, Aunt Betty and and Cousin Susie and everybody has an opinion, so
0: (laughs) we try to get
1: them locked in right then and there.
0: Good, good. Okay, so... Jasmine, what what kind of advice would you give? We've given a lot of good advice here, but if you were to summarize it into one or two things, what kind of advice would you give to a new investor listening to this that's interested in doing what you're doing?
1: So my piece of advice would be two things that really helped me when I first got started was being consistent. So uh, inconsistency is a huge, huge it it hurts, right? So once you're consistent, whatever that looks like, so it doesn't have to be this massive um, calling of, you know, eight hours out of the day. And when I first started, I was making three hours of call a day. My business, I built that momentum and I was getting deal after deal just with that. And even um, I have students that only have literally like a Saturday, right? (laughs) So even with that, as long as they're consistent at it over time, you're going to win. And then the second thing is understanding the importance of following up, guys. Mm -hmm. Following up is major. We get most of our deals on our follow-up and we're typically having to follow up five to seven times before we're actually getting the property under contract. So just having the right, uh, setting yourself up with the right expectations up front is major. And the last key is, I, I, I always like to share, setting yourself up for the right expectation is when you're doing cold calling, if you're cold calling, expect to make or set in your mind that you need to make at least 2,000 calls before you decide that this doesn't work.
0: Oh, okay,
1: cool. <laughs> uh, I have some people make a hundred calls and they say, you know, this doesn't work. So um, set it in your mind. If you haven't made at least 2,000 yet, you know, keep. keep keep pushing keep pushing and you're almost there
0: now that sounds crazy but you're using software right
1: i'm using software now when i first started i wasn't using software i was hanging up and dialing hanging up and Mm. dialing so i was I, with the with the hang up and dial, I was usually making about twelve calls, twelve to fifteen calls per hour. So of course that you know that can take a little bit of time. But now we do use a, a dialer, so we can get through that pretty what, fast. What
0: dialer do you use? If you don't mind, me? we use Mojo. Mojo. Mojo awesome. Yeah. And uh, if, can I ask you what what's your favorite list to cold call?
1: It's uh, between tax delinquent and probate. They kind of like switch off. Nice. Yeah.
0: Cool. All right. So yeah. all right, I didn't want to keep you very long here. Let's review the lessons learned. Okay. I wrote these down here. Um, <laughs> always start marketing your property right away. Yeah. Make sure you always have a good inspection contingency on these contracts. That's for sure. Make sure you do your due diligence. Don't skip any steps. Don't trust the seller. Sellers <laughs> are liars. <laughs> you didn't say that. I did. All right. <laughs> always continue marketing the property, right? Yep. Um, always collect earnest money deposits from your buyers. Try to get $5,000. Yes. Um, never put more than a hundred dollars down for your earnest money when you're buying the deal. Yep. Make sure you have ironclad agreements.
1: Absolutely.
0: When it, when it comes to due diligence, look around on the MLS. Mm-hmm. What are you need to look at? What investors are putch- purchasing properties for in that area? Cash. Yeah,
1: and if you don't have MLS, uh, you can use Stream Just for those who don't yeah. have access to the MLS.
0: Yeah, that's good. By the way, a good good link for that, propstreamjoe.com, propstreamjoe.com. I do get a commission when you do that, but the prop stream is amazing. I use it every single day.
1: Yes, we do still.
0: All right. So you want to know, look on the MLS. PropStream, Redfin, Zillow—you can get really good stuff sometimes from those sites. Yeah, um, PropStream is amazing. Find out what investors are purchasing properties for in that area, cash, and assume that every house needs a full gut rehab. Okay, make sure you uh, make sure everyone gets an offer. Every seller gets an offer. Every seller. Partner with agents in virtual markets. Mm-hmm. Sign the contract with the seller when they are in front of a computer. Yeah. And send them a blank contract if they want to review. Yep. Be consistent. Inconsistency hurts just a few hours a day. This builds momentum.
1: That's a big one, guys. A really, really, really big one.
0: Yeah. Understand the importance of follow-up. Man, I can't emphasize that enough. Yeah. Most of your deals come from the follow-up on average five to s- seven touches. Yes. And what would you say over like how many, if you were to guess, like how many months of follow-up? Um,
1: I would say we usually do, I mean, on, it depends on like how hot the lead is, but I would say on average, maybe, you know, and that was maybe five, five, between like five months to to like nine, five to nine months.
0: This is why consistency is so important. Because if you quit and give up, you're losing the deals that you would have gotten from the follow-up. Yes. So your follow-up consists of what? Just phone calls? Uh, oh,
1: the follow-ups are either phone calls and texts. You kind of... Um switch between the two but phone calls and texts and you know we'll switch the message up when we give them a call you know hey how are you doing just checking in on you and see if, if i can help you with anything or hey we just you know bought a property around the corner once it's such big so we switch it up
0: and this is why making an offer to every lead is so important because when you're following up you can say things like hey i'm following up with the offer we sent you yes. or the offer that we made on your house
1: yeah
0: cool and your competition's not doing that guys that's, that's why you the
1: key yes that's the
0: key. Yeah. Now when you're doing cold calling, make sure you have the right mindset and at least two thousand calls before you decide it doesn't work. Yes. Ojo sells is a good software for doing um it's a triple dialer, so you can dial a bunch of numbers at once. Yes. Cool. Jason, yes. this has been a great podcast.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. I I, I enjoyed myself. I love it. I think that was a I only intended on giving like Three, I only wrote three lessons before we talked, but we ended up uh, having a whole list here. Wow, I love it. Good.
0: I love it. Uh, we got Brandon here who says, hey, Joe, Jasmine, what's up, Brandon?
1: Hey, Brandon.
0: <laughs> Cedric. Hello, Cedric. You got to get a new face mask. <laughs> That's just, <laughs> nobody cares about the Lakers. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I always make fun of people who have, who like teams that I don't like. Right,
1: right. Of course you have to. It only makes sense. <laughs> only makes sense.
0: Let's see anybody else. You got questions for Jasmine before we wrap it up? Questions. Jasmine, how can people reach you?
1: Yeah, uh, you can reach me on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube at Jasmine Gittens everywhere. Jasmine Gittens, J A Z M I N E G I T T N S. And if anybody's interested in learning about virtual wholesaling, uh, you know, I, I, I mentor and coach people yeah. on virtual wholesaling. It's cool. it's just a, a beautiful way to uh, expand your business. If you're not in the hottest of markets, right? Don't use it as an excuse. Yeah. And you can uh, you can really really uh, expand
0: your yourself in any any market. Nice. So on Facebook or Instagram, yeah. Jasmine Gittens, J. Yes. I'm sorry, J a z m i n e, yeah. and you, you, you see it there on the screen there. You got it. We will have in the show notes, guys. We will have Jasmine's uh, information or Perfect. things like that there. Angelica says, awesome, woo, wonderful. <laughs> Bill says, great podcast, thanks. Brandon, thank you, Joe and Jasmine, for your time.
1: Absolutely.
0: Um, and then uh, Angelica, again, thank you for sharing. Guys, I love seeing the comments here. This is great. I know.
1: I love that too. This is keep, awesome.
0: Keep them coming in. Okay, Jasmine. Listen, guys, if you want the notes, again, go to joemccall.com slash bad to get all of my notes for all the lessons learned on all these podcasts. You can listen to the other podcasts. I love these doing these because every single one of them are getting such good gold nuggets out of them. Yes. You can also get the notes by texting the word bad, B-A-D, to 313131. Bad to 313131. All right. Jasmine, thanks again. Thank you. Thank appreciate appreciate you very it. much. And we'll see you later. Thanks again, right, everybody.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Bye bye.